Good morning, Sunray Church, and happy 4th of July. We're so glad you're gathering with us amid your celebrations. I'm Meredith, my husband Claude and I are the pastors of this wonderful church, and I'm here to welcome you and give you some information to start off our gathering today. So hello to everyone joining us live or even joining us later in the week, and hello to any watch parties out there today. A very special welcome to any guests with us for the first time. We are thrilled that you're here. Over the next couple of minutes, I'm gonna share some information that will help you, our guests, navigate and enjoy your first visit with us. Uh, just so you know, we're in a unique season of being mostly online with some in-person gatherings here and there. So we hope to meet you face-to-face -face very soon. But for today, as you visit online, we trust you still feel at home here. You can learn more about us on our website if you have questions beyond this. For those that hear this information every week, stick with us uh, because this may help you as well. And there's always some new information. If you're gathering live on Sunday, we encourage you to check out the tabs right on the online platform. You can share your information with us and that'll just help us to follow up and get feedback from you. Also on the live platform, you can explore our next steps. You can find previous messages. And if you call Center Ray home and would like an easy way to give, there's a tab to do that. During the gathering, if you have questions or would like prayer, just request prayer and one of our hosts will answer you privately in a separate chat. Now, if you're watching or listening later in the week, many of the things that I just mentioned can happen through our website. If you would like to connect with us after this gathering at any point, if you have questions, feedback, if you have ideas or you need prayer, please just email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. Now, another way to connect with us throughout the week is by checking out our social media and accessing the resources on our website. If you visit our messages page on the website, you'll find all of our messages, including one just for kids. They'll sing some songs and they'll hear um, a message just for them. It's pretty cool. They learn from the same scripture text that we do. So if you have kids in your home, you'll be able to discuss the application and grow together. Also on that page are resources related to the messages like images to put on your devices, links to the Spotify playlist for this series and access to the Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals that our team creates. They are incredible. I encourage you to subscribe to them. Um, if you would like to receive those devotionals directly to your inbox, just go to the next steps page to subscribe or you can find those on our website. Now, before I wrap up here, I wanna again mention that there are a number of opportunities to gather in person this summer. We are so thankful for our online gatherings, but we are thrilled when we can be in the same location together, am I right? Um, there's a kids play date coming up this Friday and our next uh, in-person Sunday gathering is July 18th, but there are other things. So definitely check out the calendar page of our website for all the opportunities to be together. Again, that's the calendar page of our website. Now, if you're new here, today is week two of our summer breakthrough series in the book of Isaiah. If you wanna learn more about this new series and what to expect, there's a video included in the week one resources on the messages page. Uh, we're just really praying for you to encounter God in such a way that you'll find things begin to shift and you'll experience real breakthrough in whatever areas of your life you need them. Now, as we continue in our gathering, here's what to expect for the rest of the day. Becca will be reading the scripture text for us. Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then I'll close out with some ways to respond in worship. And right after that, you can join us live on Instagram or Facebook as a way to respond through song. Now here's Becca reading the text for today. Good morning, Centerway. My name is Becca, and I'll be reading the scripture this morning. Today, we're in Isaiah 7, verses 1 through 9. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin the king of Syria, and Pekah the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. 
When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz, and the heart of his people, shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Joshua, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field, and say to him, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin in Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tabil as the king in the midst of it. For the Lord our God says, It shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin, and within sixty-five years Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Hello and welcome. My name is Claude. My wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church. Excited that you have the opportunity to be with us as we continue in our series, Summer Breakthrough. And uh, today's message specifically is entitled, Rest. As we continue on uh, through Isaiah, we begin chapter 7 today, as you just heard read. And uh, I have kind of a, a funny story that comes to mind as I was considering what this text is actually about I spend, or I used to spend uh, quite a bit of time in New York City. It seemed like I was traveling down there uh, rather often. Uh, these days, I haven't been there quite often since uh, the whole COVID thing happened. But um, one of the times I was down uh, in New York City, uh, I was down in uh, Manhattan, a uh, specific part of Manhattan. And as we're walking along, as is typical down in the city, every once in a while, you'll, you'll pass somebody um, that appears to be homeless, either the way that they're uh, dressed or the way that they're acting. And what I mean by acting is um, it's clear that they're just not quite all there. And uh, there was a woman that was fairly well dressed and seemed very put off by um, a, a man walking by that was kind of speaking to himself and, and just seemed uh, a bit, you know, frazzled, if you will. And so She's kind of avoiding him clearly on the far side of the sidewalk. And then there is a, a clearly homeless person based on the sign anyway that he was holding um, on the right side. And so she went back to the other side of the road and all of a sudden we're at a corner. And so we're stopped waiting for uh, the light to change so that we can cross the road. And so uh, I'm kind of setting up that story a little bit to let you know it's very clear that she was extremely put off by different types of people um, that were surrounding her. And um, she's sitting there at the at this corner and the light is turning and all of a sudden the person in front of her goes oh there's there's a bee and she's like what what and so she literally just jumps to the right and it has landed on her shoulder and she screams and jumps into the street she jumps into the street and if you've been to new york city or any populated city where there's a lot of traffic there's cars coming all the time and she keeps walking out past where people are parked on the street and there's this homeless person drops his sign and actually grabs her and pulls her back and she's like the bee the bee. And she's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And so she's talking to this guy that she just clearly went out of her way to avoid. She goes, is it on me? Is it on me? And so she literally looks at him and goes, look at me. Look everywhere. Look everywhere. Is it on me anywhere? This guy 
that she clearly did not want to have any interaction with, that she was bothered that he was actually probably looking at her at some point. Now she's saying, look at me, look right at me, check me out, make sure that bee isn't on me. It's amazing what fear will make us do. In that split moment, she was so afraid of a bee and a bee sting that she literally stepped out into and continued towards traffic and then allowed someone to embrace her that she was literally walking on the opposite side of the sidewalk to get away from and then asks him to look at her all over to see if this bee is still on her somewhere. Now, he ended up disclosing that there was no bee on her, and then she immediately whispered kind of an uncomfortable thank you, and then quickly walked away and grabbed her purse and held it tight. She was very uncomfortable with the entire scene. But the reason why I share that story is because it was a snapshot of what I want to ask you about today. What is your biggest fear? What is your biggest fear? Now, some of you might have a quick response to this, especially if your biggest fear is bees um, or being grabbed by a random person in a city. <laughs> I don't know what exactly your biggest fear is, but there is something that maybe clearly terrifies you that you could just answer right away. Oh, my biggest fear is this. But then there's others of you that would respond rather quickly to the other extreme and say, oh, that's easy. Nothing. I'm afraid of nothing. <laughs> I fear nothing. And of course, those of you that say that you fear nothing, um, it's quite possible that your biggest fear is being viewed as weak. But the fact is, um, we are all afraid of something. The reality is, like it or not, as humans, we all have fears. We all have fears. There's what's called a healthy fear, right? That's what keeps us from being hurt as, as children, you know, from an aggressive dog, for example, uh, an aggressive dog that's um, chained up and barking at you aggressively, just kind of something innately tells a young child, stay away from that dog. Um, the reason why I use that example is because if we aren't careful with what are called healthy fears, we can actually allow fear to cripple us. And so I used uh, the example of the dog because I actually went to college with someone that was extremely afraid of dogs. I didn't realize they were afraid of dogs uh, until they came home from what was supposed to be a job interview and said that they didn't go to the job interview. When asked why not, they said they showed up and in the waiting room, uh, there was a dog in the corner. We were like, what do you mean? Like a vicious dog? And they're like, no, no, like just like in the waiting room is just kind of laying on a couch. Like it was like down in like a seated area. It was very clear that like the dog like lives there or somebody in the office owns the dog or something. It was, it was there. So I just, I turned around and walked right back out. Like what? You, you didn't go to the job interview? They're like, no, there was a dog in there. Are you allergic to dogs? <laughs> no, I was scared. Like, was it a big dog? Like, no, it was, it was a little, it doesn't matter. It's a dog. Dogs bite. You know that, right? <laughs> like, yeah, but if it's in a public place, they're probably, you know, they know this dog is, you know, rather sedentary, probably. Like, doesn't matter. I'm not going to go work there. I will not go work there. I will not go for the job interview. It does not matter what any of you say. I don't care if you think it's ridiculous. I am afraid of dogs. So it's funny how something that maybe feels like a healthy fear can turn into a crippling fear in a different environment. You see, the question isn't whether or not we have fears. We all have fears. It's, it's whether or not we will allow that fear to cripple us in life. 
So the question isn't whether or not we will fear things in life, but rather it's how we will respond to our fears. How is it that we respond to the fears that we have? Do they limit our, our capacity to move forward? Do they cause us to overreact and move into even greater, more dangerous areas? Do we draw back from situations that we should just be afraid but walk forward anyway in the midst of the fear? How is it that fear impacts our lives? That's what today's passage is really all about. Beginning at verse 2 of chapter 7, it says this. It says, when... That's the only word on that page. (laughs) When uh, the house of David was told... And this is what they were told. Syria is in league with Ephraim. The heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Their hearts shook. They were gripped with fear. They were gripped with fear, with the reality, with the potential that a kingdom was going to reun- was going to unite together and come against them. They were literally gripped with fear. And so Ahaz is faced with a choice. Now, Ahaz was the king of Judah, and he is facing a decision right now. Am I going to function in response to fear based on what I see and hear, or am I going to trust the Lord? Am I going to am I going to function according to what it is I see and hear, or am I going to trust the Lord? And as we'll see, King Ahaz is contemplating making an alliance with an enemy because of his fear. And the Lord actually sends Isaiah to him to say something in the midst of him him contemplating this. This is where we pick up at verse 4. This is exactly what he asks Isaiah to say. And say to him, this is God telling Isaiah to say to him, Be careful. Be quiet. Do not fear. And do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Do not, sorry, be careful, be quiet, do not fear. That's what he tells him. What's interesting here is that God doesn't tell him about the situation. In other words, he doesn't say, Isaiah, Go and tell Ahaz that I've got his back. Don't tell, don't, he doesn't say, go tell Ahaz, listen, he's got absolutely nothing to worry about. No, he tells him to start with with a very clear statement that actually addresses his fear first. God tells Isaiah to to have Ahaz be careful with his emotions and to keep calm. Be careful, be quiet. First things that he tells him to say. Now, what it doesn't mean, you might think that it means this at kind of face value reading. You might think that it means watch out for danger, but don't speak or worry. In other words, be aware, be careful, but just don't don't say anything. You know, don't, don't worry about it. But in the original Hebrew, the second verb is actually auxiliary to the first verb. So get this, what it actually means is this, be careful to do nothing. In other words, the careful part is that you should be careful to do nothing. What it is that God is is telling him is that this is an issue of faith. God is saying, let me deal with this. Be cautious to do nothing right now. Rest in God's ability and trust the Lord. 
Now, it sounds like God is is saying that he should kind of be lazy, that Ahaz has to kind of think, I would only assume he has to be thinking something like this. If I literally do nothing, people will think that I'm frozen with fear. They need a leader. They need somebody to respond. I need to be proactive here. I'm afraid, and so I need an alliance. I think it's great that God is for us, but here's the deal. If I can align myself with someone else, then maybe it will bring fear to these people, and they'll, they'll think a little longer, maybe think twice about coming against me. People are going to think I'm weak. If I do nothing, you know, that's really not an option. I have to act here is probably what the king is thinking. I would also assume that the king is probably thinking, as a result of how he responds, I can work this out. I can save myself. I know what to do, God. It sounds kind of familiar if we're honest with ourselves. In moments when we're faced with fear, there's kind of this, uh, this innate response in us to respond. We just have to do something. We have to do something right now. Why? Because, because we're afraid. We call it fight or flight right? We're either going to fight this thing or we're going to run away. We're either going to stumble into traffic screaming and waving, or we're going to try to grab that thing and fight it off. This is a picture of us. Ahaz is saying, I can work to save myself. But God is saying, have faith, rest in me. Rest in me. What does it look like to rest in God? And we're afraid, right? It's a nice concept. It's a, it's a good idea to say, listen, let's just rest in the Lord. You know, it sounds very spiritual. <laughs> but the reality is we're in moments in our lives where we have legit fear, where maybe it feels like there's too much on the line to just be still. We have to do something. We have to act. There's something that's very common sense that if we can just align ourselves here, even though we probably shouldn't align ourselves with that person, It might help us though. It might help us in the long term. It might help us get the promotion we want or to get to the college that we want to get to. You name it. Sometimes we get drawn into the drama of life in an attempt to avoid the drama of life. Listen, life is hard. It's hard. And at times it's painful. And we go through seasons that are extremely painful. Sometimes life is even scary. We're afraid. Maybe we don't want to admit it, but there's fears that we have. Some of us right now, we're kept up at night with with different fears that we might have regarding our future, regarding relationships, regarding all the different things that that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. And if we're completely honest, we'll even say life is lonely at times. It feels like if, if we're not for us, then no one is. The temptation is to take action to ensure that we don't get hurt again that we don't really end up completely alone. I mean, isn't it better to end up in a relationship than no relationship at all? I mean, my goodness. Those are the lies we kind of tell ourselves in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our fears. We function from a place of fear. And when you function from a place of fear, you rarely, if ever, make a good decision. Fear has the ability to just make us do irrational things. Like, run into traffic, or turn away from a job opportunity. There's so many things that that we miss out on in life because of fear. But the gospel says Jesus was beaten and bruised, and that he was truly alone on a cross, 
dying the death that we deserve so that we can be healed, so that we don't ever have to be alone. So does, does that mean that, uh, that we don't have to deal with hardship? That life is just running through fields of roses because we call ourselves a Christian? No. It means that in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the hard, in the midst of the difficulty, that we're never truly alone. The question is, will we trust him? Will we trust God in those moments? Will you have faith and rest in his will, even though it seems like like maybe things aren't coming together the way you want? Will you know that no matter what comes your way, it might not be fun all the time, it might not be easy, but no matter what comes your way, he'll walk with you through it, that you're truly not alone. See, all too often I think we believe in this fictitious lie, this well-meaning deceit that, that when difficulty comes your way, that you just, you just pray and God's going to pull you out of that thing. That whatever it is, he's just going to parachute in, grab a hold of you, and pull you right out of the pain. That's not the case. That's not the way the world works. And I, I would also argue it's not the most loving thing to do. It's far more loving to walk alongside you that as you go through the situations and the realities of life, that God himself is saying, listen, I'm never going to leave you and I'm not going to forsake you. This is going to be hard, but I'm going to walk right through it. I'm going to redeem this situation as you walk through it. It might not be fun. It might be painful. You might not understand it. In fact, it might be a result of really sinful, really hurtful people inflicting things that God would never want inflicted upon you. But God is actively redeeming it. He's redeeming it. He's doing a work that you can't understand, that you don't see. Jesus wants to break through. He wants to break through today and to provide perspective. You see, when we look at a situation, we just see it at face value. We have this finite perception and perspective on our current circumstances, but God has a different perspective. He's higher. He's different. He's looking at time and he sees the beginning of the story all the way to the end. The world may cause hurts, but it can't threaten what Christ has done for you, what Christ has done for me. You see, we're wrapped up in the temporal, but God sees and functions according to the eternal. This might be painful right now, but God has taken care of that which is significant, what is eternal, what is lasting, what goes beyond the pain and hurts of this world. In fact, he even says that he's going to return and make all things new. And so we don't have to deal with the the strife and the circumstances of our life as if it is the defining factor of who we are. No, God loves us. He says we're valuable. In fact, the verse goes on. It says to say to him, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands, the fierce anger of resin in Syria. You see, I want to focus a little bit about be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrand. So God says, listen, let me address the fear first because the emotion is real and I know you're afraid. And so I want to tell you proactively, just be careful to say nothing and rest in me. Now, let me give you perspective on your situation. There's smoldering stumps of firebrands. What does that even mean? Like in our society, what does that mean? This is what it means in their culture. These people that you fear, they're burned out 
ends of logs that remain around the edge of a campfire after the fire has gone out. That's what God is saying. So if you can picture, if you've ever been around a campfire, if you've ever been uh, seen a, a television program where there's a campfire, the logs burn. And then as they burn, there's these ends that remain that if you don't push into the fire, they just kind of remain on the end and they'll smolder. That's what the text is saying. That's what God is saying. That's what these two men are. These countries, these people that are coming out against you, they're not anything you need to fear. So God says, listen, you think you're going to be destroyed by the fire, but I know that it's simply smoldering. They're no threat to you. I've got this. You need to rest and trust in me. Get this. People will threaten you and speak against you in this world. But what actually matters is what God says about you. There will be people that will say that you're not valuable, that you are unlovable, that you're worthless. There's endless lies that have been spoken to you by very hurtful people, or maybe that you even speak over yourselves in the quietness of your hurt and your pain. I want to tell you, God is trying to break through. He's trying to break through and tell you the truth of the situation is that you are far more loved than you ever dare imagine, that God desperately loves you. In fact, he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. He's gifted you with his gifts, and he's creating an environment where he wants you to flourish and live life to the fullest. Will you get caught up? Will you get caught up in what it is that you see, the limiting factors of your fears, what it is the world says is successful or valuable? Will you get distracted by the worries and the cares of this world, or will you focus on what it is that God says and rest in that truth? Hope and security is not found in alliances, but in faith. In faith. Hope and security is found in faith in God. If we skip ahead to the last verse, the last sentence of the last verse, verse 9b, the second half of it, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. If you're not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. It's the linchpin. Our hope and faith must be in the Lord. You know what's interesting? The verbs in that passage are actually plural in the Hebrew. So it's not just that Ahaz has to be firm in faith. It's that the royal household has to be firm in faith, that the the nation as a whole has to be firm in faith with the Lord. In fact, I would argue that it's a message for us today as well, that we're to be firm in faith. Will we function according to fear or according to what God says about us? about God speaking a hope and a future, that he knit you together in your mother's womb, that he has a plan for you. Can you rest in that? Will you allow the God of heaven to break through into your life this summer and wake you up into the potential of what's possible, to dream dreams, to have a vision for your one and only life, to set the standards higher, not to strive, not to create a new definition or a new goal for success financially or monetarily, not that there's anything inherently wrong with that, but the idea of what it is that you have been created to do with your one and only life. And just lean into God's will for your life. What is he speaking to you? Will you trust what God is promising for your, for your life, for your family, for your relationships? We say every week that the text requires something of us. And so there's a question I want to ask you 
to challenge yourself. This is the question I want you to ask yourself. Which of God's promises will I trust this week? Which of God's promises will I trust this week? For some of you out there, maybe the promise you need to trust is that he'll forgive you that he'll forgive you, that if you call upon the name of the Lord and you ask him to forgive you, that he will forgive you and love you and allow you to be one of his children. If that's you today, if you want to come into relationship with Jesus, it's as simple as praying a prayer. And it doesn't have to be specific words, but it's as simple as just praying a prayer along the lines of this, acknowledging the fact that you're a sinner and that Jesus died for your sins. Ask him to to forgive you and to be the Lord and leader of your life. It could be that easy. And in fact, if you're praying that prayer or would like to pray that prayer and you're with us live, you can just press uh, request prayer and you'll go into a private chat with one of our hosts and we'll walk you through what that looks like and what the next decisions can be. If you're watching or listening to this later and you've prayed that prayer, we want to encourage you to just reach out either through our website or through email because we'd love to talk to you as well about the next uh, decisions that you can make and what it looks like to be more than just a momentary decision. For others of us that have already prayed that prayer, that we believe that promise, that we are children of the living God, I want to challenge you to consider what promise will you trust this week? Is it it a promise of of God's provision? That that your needs will be met? That as you're faithful to, to live in a covenant relationship with him and that as you tithe and you're in a relationship where you surrender your finances to him, that he would meet your every need and even some of your wants. Is it possible that the the promise you need to trust this week is in the context of peace? That God provides peace in the midst of the storm? That no matter how difficult things are, that God loves you? That in the midst of the painful situations, he's never left you or forsaken you? Is it joy? The promises of, of joy in the midst of your life? We get so wrapped up in this idea of happiness, but happiness is conditional and it's situational. Joy comes from the Lord. If if you're looking for for true joy, then you're looking for a lasting relationship with the Lord. So what does it look like to find joy in the Lord? If you're you're not sure what his promises look like, maybe the step you need to take is to look up the promises that God has in Scripture about your situation, about something specific you're going through. Maybe your action has to look for promises in Scripture and then say, all right, I'm holding on to that one. Write that verse down. Maybe put it in your phone. Speak promises over others. If you're already living according to his promises, maybe it looks like speaking promises over your children, over your friends, and just being an encouragement, living on mission to those around you. People that are in the midst of maybe making an alliance with those they shouldn't, or they're just running in fear and making poor decisions. Maybe God has strategically placed you to speak his promises over their life. And so let's just declare ourselves available for whatever the Lord wants us to do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we pray that we would be aware of your promises, that we wouldn't be frozen, locked up by fear, by the circumstances or the situations that are before us, but that we would rest, that we would rest in the reality that you're taking action on our behalf that you have a perspective we don't. And so we'll rest in that. We'll pray to that end. We'll speak promises over this situation and we'll believe for you to do a work that only you can do. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. 
Excited to be with you again next week as we continue in this series of Breaking Through. What a great message that was today. Uh, The title of that message was Rest, and I love the idea that our breakthrough will come as we rest in Jesus. Uh, Continue this week to evaluate areas of fear or loneliness and remind yourself of who you are in Christ and of his promises in your life. We're really excited to worship this week, and we always say that there are many ways to worship, and it's true. Uh, One of the ways that we get to worship together is through singing, and if you're gathered live, we're about to do just that. If you're not with us live, you can find the songs that we're about to sing on Spotify. Just search Centerway Church and look for our Summer Breakthrough playlist. You can also look for the video that will be posted on our Facebook page. But for those gathered live on the online platform, we'll see you on Facebook or Instagram in a few minutes.